Much better. All right. right. I'm going to start her off. Welcome, everyone, to episode 17 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. I am your host, Marco, along with Ian, my co-host, and like a fresh set of tires, we are ready to roll. Ian, how you doing? Doing well, man. Great weekend of racing, much better than the weekend before at the same track. But I'm ready to go. Let's recap this race and give everybody what they want. Yeah, so just to give a little overview of what we're going to be covering today, a pretty quick episode that we have on our hands. We're actually going to switch it up on you guys and start off with the good, bad, and ugly segment moving on to the weekend recap, and then ending off with our race predictions overview. So to start things off, Ian, do you want to start us off with your good, bad, and ugly? I would love to. Uh, mine were mine were pretty easy because I thought the good, the bad, and the ugly were all very evident. So starting off, so my good is going to be the national anthem of Austria being performed like a literal rock band show. Just one of the most like unexpected and excitement-inducing ways to kick off a Grand Prix that I've ever seen. It was like I feel like national anthems could be so boring. I feel like with maybe a few exceptions, like nobody really cares unless you're from that country. So it was good to see that and be like, all right, let's go. I can kind of blood blood pumping a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was almost kind of like a uh, a scene out of that Euro trip movie with uh, Will Ferrell just uh, just rocking it out kind of randomly and uh, spontaneously. But yeah, very entertaining to start the the early morning off. On the flip side of that, my bad is uh, actually specifically for the English F1 fans, but Alonso stealing the point away from George with an overtake that was three laps away from the checkered flag is just such a hilarious on-brand thing to happen at this point. Uh, last weekend, Fernando was the last car across the line in qualifying. His Q2 lap time booted George from the possibility of seeing Q3 for the first time, so this week him stealing the point is even like even the cherry on, you know, bigger cherry on top. Just funny that it's the same guy, just kind of causing so much strife not only for george but i feel like the whole damn island like the whole the whole uk yeah no absolutely i assumed like the whole world everyone was just really down on that i kind of thought of the whole alonzo was even as the race was going on was like man you know i i hated the the one person i want did not want that to be on the grid was russell it almost reminded me of the little boy from old yeller where like he had to go out and kill the dog he hated to do it because it was old yeller but it was like it's got to be done. I'm sorry to you. Goodbye. <laughs> He's just pulling out the shotgun to George and part for me. Yeah, it's like, oh, I know the puppy dog guy. Sorry, George. <laughs> he came up to Lando and patted him on the back in an interview that I saw after that, and it was like, hey, well done. Like, well done, Lando. But you could tell he was uh, – he's pretty down. So, I mean, I, I just feel bad for him. He's got to get into that Mercedes. Yeah, so and I would not even – I mean, to add on to that interview, though, he was like, oh, you got a little sweaty back. He's like, it's not sweat of champagne. Just to rub it down his throat, even if he's already <laughs> feeling bad about not getting a point and never getting a point. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, like you're not really used to what the back feels like after you're getting showered on a, another point of mine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, let me uh, one day. One day, I'll teach you what the what this what this back is. What this could you just is. have said it was sweat, you dick bag? <laughs> <laughs> and finally, my ugly. The penalties in this Grand Prix were rough. We had eleven drivers that were called in to see stewards after the five second time penalties were being given out like condoms on spring break. Uh, but the funniest, okay, the funniest of all of these was Yuki. Um, for a guy that got a lot of hate for being too immature, too young for the sport, uh, it's not a great move to break rules by crossing the white line to pit. 
and then doing it again, we were considering this, especially after you raced here last week. You know this track. You had FP1, 2, 3 qualifying and the race last weekend. And so this weekend, this was your 10th session on the track in an F1 car. Tough sight to see. Like, you got to be better than that, young blood. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, I don't have uh, much more to say on that. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, seeing it the first time, which is like, you rarely see these penalties in the first place. And then to see it in the same race on the same day, like 30 minutes later, you're like, ah, like, what do you say as the racing engineer? Just be like, dude, come like, this is like, this is elementary. Come on. <laughs> Good stuff. Great, good, bad, and ugly. I'm going to do my best to follow that up decently. My good is how the future of F1 is going to play out starting in 2025. Formula One just came out with new hybrid engines from 2025 are set to feature. And based off of what Toto Wolf had to say, it's going to be massively increased electric components. And I think this is great. Uh, I, I think a lot of people were worried and have always ripped on F1 about being, you know, very, very environmentally unfriendly. And uh, it's, it's good to see that they're starting to continue to make those strides to, to uh, you know, improve the future of the sport and where it's not going to be, you know, causing issues uh, as, you know, this conti- as this world continues to plummet in environmental issues. Uh, there was something that we saw uh, on the other side of things with, of course, Christian Horner. I just feel like he loves to be on, uh, you know, if something is going down, he loves to, you know, get his, uh, you know, other side of things, regardless of what it is. He basically said that, you know, they also have to address the emotion, the sounds, and of course, you know, wants to stay uh, the the sustainable side of things. But uh, he basically was, he he also had a quote saying, I think this still needs to be entertaining. Otherwise, we should all just go and do Formula E. Um, hopefully, the collective and then he Slam. ended up go, yeah, and then ended up ending that saying. Hopefully, the collective minds can come up with something attractive for twenty twenty five or make sense to move on to twenty twenty six. It is just funny just to be like, all right, like you know, this seems like great, but you know, if if it's going to go fully electric and and you know have no sounds, like what are we doing here? Uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out over the coming years, but uh, it is it is nice to see that, yeah, they're mov- moving in the right direction. Yeah, of course. You want to highlight the good, that it's going to be more carbon neutral. Um, there's some things in the sport that just aren't going to be carbon neutral, like unless they get rid of the tires that are a huge waste, right? Um, but at the same time, you can make little strides. I kind of do agree with Christian, though, that – Man, if you've ever, like, I've never seen an F1 race in person, but I've been to the Indy 500 a couple times, and the sheer decibels that go into your ear and brain and rattle around your skull, like, are just absolutely incredible, and it's such an, in like, and it's such a stimulating thing to be around, so I understand where Christian's coming from, but I agree that overall this is a good thing, F1 kind of taking the, uh, the social issues, uh, including climate change, into account here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to my bad is Australia joining Singapore as fun suckers. So just <laughs> recently today it came out that the Australian GP is dropped from the 2021 schedule. They did come out, uh, the F1 did come out saying that they're going to have a number of options to film the vacant weekend. So hopefully we do see Australia and Singapore in 2022. And if not, uh, I think we're going to have some real problems going on and there's something even worse than Corona happening because uh, I don't see how this is going to be pushed back another year from Corona. Uh, but also, you know, a very fun race to to see that we're missing out on uh, again in 2021. I don't want to sound like a Fox News pundit here, okay? But there's been 29 new cases 
yesterday. Yesterday there were 29 new cases, like in Australia as a whole. Like it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal. But then again, smarter people than me are making these decisions. But I agree. That's this sucks. And Austria and Singapore can go fuck themselves. That is not condoning of the eaten asphalt in general, but just under <laughs> Ian himself. Just want to make that clear. Moving on to the ugly. Uh, Lando and other drivers potentially having a race ban. So Lando specifically, he has now totted up 10 penalty points on his license with a driver being banned for an event if they go and get to 12 points over a 12-month period. Uh, this is kind of surprising. I really didn't see this uh, you know, coming forward over the past year. Lando has not been really a dangerous driver where you'd be like where you would expect him to have uh, penalty points, you know, building up on his license. With that being said, Norris is will lose two points prior to the British Grand Prix, taking him back down to eight. But McLaren, rightfully so, is really not happy with the situation. They didn't believe that what happened this past weekend with Perez really deserved points against his license and just kind of being around that area, especially with the 12 months, just a continuous 12-month period where you know, if there is some funny business over these next couple months that it could get him back to a potential uh, race ban. And yeah, there was not a lot of people. And I think ju this was just a lot of the FIA's punishments to everyone. A lot of people were against this, uh, specifically with getting some points against Lando and some of these other drivers after the race. Yeah, my take on this is just that I was thinking back like over the last year, like what were Lando's penalties that he got and i couldn't think of a single one yeah which sort of supports what he was saying in that post-race interview for the podium winners just like i'm not being dangerous like nothing i'm doing is putting actual lives in danger and i feel like penalties should obviously there has to be some consistency and if you break the rules you break the rules but it was just it's just frustrating overall i think something probably will change but I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure as, as to what the solution here is other than uh, Checo not getting to him, you know, a little too greedy and, and having Norris push him off. Yeah, and I always thought that the license system was specifically towards, you know, drivers making dangerous moves and for him to have a potential ban for, you know, a, a, a grouping of non-dangerous moves definitely needs, I would say for me, I think the license system and, and the point system needs to be looked at in that respect. Uh, because yeah, you're just, you're, uh, penalizing. It's almost, you're double penalizing these, these drivers for, for something that they had done, you know, a five second penalty at that was more than fair enough of what he did. Uh, but yeah, giving him docking him additional penalty points and, and race points, uh, is I think just, you know, a little too much. Totally. That does it for our good, bad, and ugly. And moving on, we have our moving on. We have our weekend recap. But before we get started, Ian, I believe you do have an ad. We do. We have a new sponsor this week. We want to say a big thank you to Old Toto's Weapon Recycling Plant. Old Toto's Weapon Recycling Plant. Are you the owner of any vintage or classic weapons? Maybe your grandfather has a copper pistol or even a Native American wooden bow. Old Toto's Weapon Recycling Plant will take those off your hands and repurpose them into something that gives a second shot at use. Old Toto's Weapon Recycling Plant, turning silver arrows into silver medals. Thank you, thank you to our new sponsor. It seems like they're going to be sticking around for most of the year in that respect. And so moving right along to our weekend recap, uh, obviously had a lot going on. 
So starting off with qualifying, I think the biggest thing that we noticed, Lando Norris being four one-hundredth of a second from getting pole position, he has just been on a tear. It actually, you you notice, and I know they mentioned this on the broadcast, of him having a lot of spin-outs during FP um, throughout the weekend, and it, it seems like he's just intentionally pushing the the very limits that he possibly can, and so when race time comes, he has that, he you know, he's just really pushing it to the very, very limits of what he can and can't do. And I think that's something that they said that uh, Michael Schumacher had done a lot too, is that you saw a lot of of, of spin-outs during these free practice rounds. But uh, I think that was just awesome to see him just even, yeah, surpassing both Mercedes and the other Red Bull into, you know, just having this elite speed up to in on par with Max. Yeah, it was so cool, man. You're so happy for him. Qualifying is a really true test of how well a driver knows the limits of the car. And like you said, you can't know the limits without pushing him a couple of times. So, yeah, I saw some people making fun of Lando over uh, social media when he was being a little massive spin and, uh, and doing some pirouettes out in free practices, but obviously paid out for him. Someone who it did not pay out for was Mercedes. So Mercedes has their engine in their P2 car and their cars in P4 and 5. So, um, yeah, that was hilarious to see them back in 4th and 5th. And basically on merit, I didn't really see anybody get in anybody's way or anything that would have stopped them from having a real reason for being down other than the performance of the car just wasn't there and the drivers weren't able to push the car to the limit to get into those, you know, P1, P3, you know, potential results. There's got to be a mental side of these things just because, you know, they are so not used to kind of fighting from behind and not being, you know, the main thing. And so, yeah, I think, you know, having that confidence probably is, is affecting them a little bit where they don't have the confidence in the car to, to be at, you know, stellar performance, especially when they're making all these adjustments within the car as, you know, weeks go in and go on. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, they just, yeah, they kind of look a little bit of a shell of themselves, even though, you know, they did have, end up being fine in, uh, and decently in uh, the actual race themselves, but obviously not to the Mercedes standard that they've been seeing these last seven years. Yeah. Also not fitting the standard, Esteban Ocon out in Q1. Especially tough look uh, when Fernando was putting in, uh, you know, a purple sector or two in Q2. He did get blocked by Sebastian, so really cucked him out of uh, getting into Q3. But yeah, you know, there there's a very clear performance gap between Fernando and Esteban right now, which I'm sure was if we would have asked that at the beginning of the of this season we probably would have expected that but seeing it play out the way it is right now Esteban Ocon just seems like he's big time down so i don't i mean i hope it gets better for him but especially with this 3 year contract it kind of better start getting better for him yeah he's got to figure something out and yeah i saw something just recently that fernando says he could see himself being around F1 for a number of years, it didn't say exactly what that meant and what if it's going to be as a driver or just kind of hanging around as a consultant uh, for a couple of years or, or whatnot. But shoot, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a scary sight for Alpine as well as with Ocon. Just, I mean, it, it's kind of like a Danny situation, but honestly, like Danny's actually kind of putting in some some improvements. He, he'll take a step back and then a step forward, then a step back. Seems like Ocon is just kind of continuously, you know, taking small steps backwards. Um, but moving on from that, Ferrari in qualifying looked rough. They were kind of teeter tottering on the elimination groups. 
every single qualifying, it seems like they just like the last lap, they barely made it out. And, and you saw that in Q1, Q2, and uh, didn't make it into Q3. So I think they went uh, 11 and 12 by the end of it. And uh, yeah, that was something that uh, a lot of people are just kind of confused with how Ferrari is as a, you know, is the performance of the car, how good it is. You know, you see so many conflicting things over these last couple of weeks. And, you know, if you're looking at the, the race themselves too, you know, they, they had a great race on Sunday. So uh, just, yeah, kind of confusing out of that car and, and out of that group. It seemed like their strategy was to go into Q2 on the hard tires and finish their fastest lap on those hard tires so that they could start the race on hard tires. Um, that was definitely called into question when they didn't get into Q3, but obviously it seemed to pan out okay for them. Um, I'm interested, very interested to see how these uh, corners in Silverstone go in two weeks um, because we've we've seen some very high highs and very low lows for Ferrari. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely – you know, keep a very close eye on that just because it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think – I think Ferrari might be the car most in question as to how good it is. So, yeah, kind of a, a good kind of story there. Yeah, definitely. Cool. And let's uh, let's keep with the fifth through first cadence uh, that we did last week. So starting with Alpha Tauri, race results. Gasly finishing P9, Yuki finishing P12. A little bit disappointing, I'm sure, if you ask them, uh, having qualified in P6 and P7. That really got our attention, further proof that the car that they've developed is incredibly solid, and good to see Yuki close that gap to Pierre as much as he could. Yuki probably gets points if he doesn't have back-to-back time penalties uh, for the exact same mistake. So, yeah, I think Gasly sounded like he was frustrated over radio. Obviously, finishing P9 is not nice when you start P6. But uh, I don't, you know, again, kind of AlphaTauri having a, a pretty steady, you know, not not too much, uh, not too much to report race. But um, yeah, I think I think fifth is exactly where they where they're going to stay for at least at least a couple weeks here, unless unless Aston Martin or someone can kind of knock them off. Yeah, no, I agree. I think yeah, we've seen some some uptick with at least Sebastian and, and Aston, but uh, yeah, I think you know, consistency is what we have not seen out of a lot of, you know, these five, six and seven, uh, constructors. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see how that plays out, but yeah, I can see Alpha Tauri kind of, you know, staying ho for, for at least the next couple of weeks, moving on to fourth place Ferrari. So as we mentioned, they had a, a pretty big struggle in qualifying, but ended up very strong with Carlos in P5, Charles with P8, uh, Carlos had that alternate strategy that Ian had mentioned by starting on hards that obviously did play out for him. He was able to, uh, you know, stay on the track a lot longer than I, I believe every other driver that were on the, on the grid. Um, and then on the other thing, you know, it seemed like Carlos's drive was pretty, uh, you know, not, not a lot of things really stood out to me uh, when watching him. You know, he was able to pass people, but it wasn't a ton of overtakes. It seemed like it was just, you know, these cars coming in for, for pits. Uh, didn't seem yeah, yeah as as crazy. And on the other hand, the craziest driver of the weekend was Charles. He had the altercation with Checo, and from then on, he just seemed like he was just driving with his head cut off. He was, you know, making a lot of close calls with a lot of drivers, uh, bumping throughout. Um, and and so yeah, that was uh, that was something surprising. I, I feel like I've never really seen Charles kind of have that lapse in uh i guess kind of calmness and his age really showed that you know he wasn't able to compartmentalize a lot of you know that that one instance uh you know his skill 
enough was able to, you know, have him have a, a strong finish. But you could see with his driving skill or his driving tactics that, you know, he was definitely racing on emotion and, and a little less on what he should be doing and some of the moves that he was making. He sounded super pissed off in his helmet. And after the after the post-race interviews, he was talking about, yeah, it's just under the helmet. I get extremely upset and then take off the helmet and talk with Checo. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to what he actually says with Checo after that because – he was he was screaming like uh you know like we we don't see too much out of Charles not like we don't see any of it but interesting to see overall third place we have McLaren Lando obviously getting on the podium with the P3 finish Danny P7 which was a great recovery drive to get up to P7 from P13 Lando walks away with penalty points as we talked about earlier I still don't think he'll really care because it is a podium. Some of the F1, some of I would say some of our competitors in the F1 journalism industry were talking about, oh, how do you feel about 10 points? And obviously he gets two points taken away next weekend, so he really just still maintains his eight. I don't think he'll really care. I think the guy who will care is Danny, walking away with a little more confidence after this weekend. But it's just one of those things where how many times have we seen this where he puts in a great drive and then after when Lando continues that consistency, he goes back to, I wouldn't say square one, but sort of a two steps forward, one step back kind of deal where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in Silverstone if he maybe I'd be surprised if he didn't get out of Q2 again, but I don't see him having like a great, a great race just with how tricky of a track Silverstone is. Yeah. He's, he's the one driver that, no matter what the odds are for him or against them on finishing in a race, I'm just not touching. No, not at all. <laughs> Too volatile. Uh, yeah, and so moving on to number two, Mercedes, with Valtteri finishing in P2 and Lewis in P4. Uh, the Really, the big storyline out of Mercedes was Lewis had some damage to his car on the curb. That really messed up with his aerodynamics and really affected his race. Uh, there was a point where after the damage, Botas's racing engineer is telling him not to pass Lewis. And the first thing I was thinking was, here we go again, that they're going to just say, hey, no matter what happens, no matter if you have better race pace than him, you know, Lewis is our number one driver. You're our second seat. You tell, we tell you what to do. But a couple laps later, he got the OK that he could pass Lewis. And it really felt, you know, something that we had never seen in so long. And I bet that's got to feel, you know, you know, small wins for him. And I think that has to be a small win. He did have a, a quote at the very end saying, my life sucks, but at least that the roles were reversed just this once. So I think he's kind of, <laughs> I think he's kind of calling it out a little bit about the discrepancy that we see and the treatment that he gets compared to Lewis. But, uh, you know, a little, a little shining moment, uh, for him and, and glad that he could get a P2 out of it. Um, My grandpa, he was 88 years old when he died. And from the age of 86 to 88, anytime that he thought of wanting to get a milkshake, we let him get like his, you know, his caretakers, let him get a milkshake. Cause it's like, Hey, toward the end of the line, you know, let him, let him do what he wants a little bit. That's what's happening here. It's like Botas finally getting past. It's like, Oh yeah, you get your last, your last podium. Maybe or like your podium, your last <laughs> time you get a finish in front of Lewis just kind of felt like you're, yeah, go have your fun because don't get used to this. This is going to be kind of like on your way out. We're just being respectful. Yeah. It's like, Enjoy this sport. Hey, you got this, buddy. You know, they're just starting to get him. Yeah, they they just talk him up a little bit, but, like, it's condescending as hell as well, you know? 
Toto tussles his hair. I thought it was condescending enough that they were like, hey, you know, your pace is better, loses damage, but no, you cannot pass still. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I thought I was like, that alone is rude enough, and like, thank God that they finally let him pass. But uh, I thought another thing that stood out was Lewis ended up passing Lando uh, earlier in the race, and he was starting to, to give him some props, saying, you know, Lando's just such an excellent driver. Very funny. It, it did come off as almost like a, a LeBron James where he beats a – uh, a young up and comer, uh, a young up and coming basketball player, and he's like, "Man, you know what a great player!" But you would never ever see this out of him if he's, you know, Lando's passing him, and he's like, "Man, look at Lando go! What a great driver!" You know, yeah, you're exactly. Never see it on the other side, it's like <laughs> I'm going to tell him that he's a great driver when I am beating him, and that's the only time. But uh, it was actually, you know, it, it was you know cool that Lewis did give it to him mid race. Also funny as well. They. Uh, Mercedes themselves have to be feeling a little bit of heat for, for Silverstone. I feel like if they were to pick one race out of the entire year that they want to do well on, it is Silverstone, especially with Lewis. But the way things are looking, if Max does beat Lewis and in the fashion that he has been, that uh, his in front of his home race and in front of you know 140,000 people, that uh, it's going to be pretty tough for him to kind of get around and get over. And, and honestly, this is really the first time that we've seen Lewis uh, starting to get beat handily, you know, over these last three or four races. Uh, I was curious, and, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he handles it, how he, you know, re- responds to the media and, and kind of seeing this change. Um, and just because, you know, the past seven years, we've never seen anything like this. So uh, very curious to see if he can k- kind of keep that positivity that he's always shown that we've always seen for so long. I don't know if you saw it, but Toto had a quote two days ago after the race saying so overall damage limitation maybe i think we're gonna go to silverstone blow everybody away finish one two 30 seconds in advance of everyone else so i mean it's kind of like uh yeah they're they're obviously trying to compensate for what is clearly turning into a pretty rough situation i think but who knows maybe they rip all of the f1 fans community's heart out and uh and really go back to the real dominating ways I hope not because the people who are dominating right now, Red Bull, just so fun to watch these guys, man. Max with the P1 taking checkered flag and Checo in P6. P6 can be a little bit misguiding as to how Checo actually raced. He went for the pass outside of Lando, obviously, and that put him down into P10 or P11. So that recovery drive in and of itself was something to write home about. This makes three in a row for Max, five in a row for Red Bull. So you heard it here first last week. Mercedes is capital D done. Max, <laughs> for the most part, had a pretty uneventful race. Looked like Lando might have gotten a small jump on him at the start, but by turn one, he was ahead and gapped everybody else in the rest of the field pretty handily, uh, even before the sa- first safety car, which I think was like, what, third or fourth lap. So. Obviously, we talked about what happened with Sergio and Lando. My only thing is that there is going to be some consistency needed from Sergio just because all it takes is one bad weekend. Max, you know, like we've seen it before, we've had a retirement or something. Merck could still be, you know, in in striking distance within one weekend if Max goes out with, you know, with a technical issue or something of that sort. So that's the constructors championship on the other hand the drivers championship the lead is now big enough that max could take a race off in silverstone this coming grand prix and still be in the lead if lewis won and got fastest lap so that's where we are with uh, red bull and mercedes going back and forth 
So yeah, man, these guys are just so fun to watch right now. What it seems like Red Bull is sort of pulling away in a way that we're used to Mercedes doing. What is your level of excitement in watching F1 if Red Bull does pull away, make that gap just insurmountable with several races left in the season? Like, are you excited because it's Red Bull or mad that we're not having a fight for the Constructors' Championship? I, I'm going to be like a picky F1 fan, and I'm going to just say that I'm upset that we're going to start to see that type of situation. I feel like everyone every year was so tired of Mercedes just being absolutely dominant. But now when we see the tables have turned and it's not just like a, I don't know, it's almost like seeing a, a prime athlete the you know, their last year or something like that, where they have an MVP season. And then the very following year, they just aren't even relatively close to, you know, these next best players. It's like, you want them to see, you know, you want to have this like, like battle, you know, and it just seems like we're we're getting further and further from this battle actually happening and playing out. Um, so yeah, I obviously would love to see Mercedes to you know figure things out, make it competitive. All in all, I'd be happy with either one coming out and in, in the constructors championship. But yeah, I just I just want to see you know like every race matter, you know, kind of a back and forth situation, honestly. I agree. I think we got spoiled with the beginning of the season when we did have a fight for P1 and both drivers and constructors that I thought the rest of the season was going to be like that foolishly. But we'll see. I mean, it's 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 not over until it's over. But uh, but yeah, that is going to wrap it up for our race recap our weekend recap. Moving on to the race predictions, um, we did not do so hot. But before we get into them, why don't we give a quick shout out to our sponsors? Yeah, so uh, this ad is actually brought to you by the FIA. We actually had no choice but to have them as a sponsor because they said that they would ban upcoming episodes if we didn't. I'm also supposed to say that, quote, the FIA is all about fairness and loves keeping the integrity of the sport. They will stop at nothing to ensure that racing is done what they consider the right way. It doesn't matter if 100% of the population disagrees with certain penalties. They are right and you are wrong. The FIA. You're either with us or fuck you. And oops, it looks like I did not read that ad exactly as they had sent. And I'm now getting news that I will be assessed a $50 penalty. So that really fucking sucks. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. I I had an inkling that as soon as you mentioned their name, not in a very positive light, you were going to receive that. So apologies. And now we're also just getting the notice that you need to go see the stewards to talk about why you've gotten two points penalty on your license. So rough day for Marco. Rough weekend for us with our race predictions. So um, mm. let's start off on a high note and uh, talk about our first race prediction, which is who do we think would crash or DNF for the Austrian Grand Prix? I went with Esteban Ocon. And I actually, like, there's some things that most of the time we just kind of guess and, and throw a dart randomly on a wall. Just had it. It was eventually going to come. You know, he's just struggling, struggling, struggling. He's going to try to do something to make up for it. And boom, get out of here. Yeah, it was a Ferrari Junior Racing Academy uh, sandwich in between. uh, It was a Ferrari Junior Racing Drivers Academy sandwich between Antonio Giovinazzi and Mick Schumacher. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, pretty much the highlight of that. But we we will go through the rest of our predictions just to show how wrong we are. Maybe we'll do it double time. I had Charles as my crash or DNF. 
that was actually a pretty close one. Sergio almost came through for me, mm-hmm. but yeah, point point Marco there. Our winners, we uh, we whiffed, I guess, Sergio. I went with Lewis. And last place, I had Latifi. Nick Schumacher. Driver of the day for me, I picked uh, Charles Leclerc, who I also thought was going to crash her DNF. He didn't either. Yeah, this was your big, um, yeah, just like plate safe, where you use a lot of Charles, or in a lot of <laughs> negative and positive ways. Yeah, I remember <laughs> this one. Um, I went with uh, Pierre Gasly. Nice. <laughs> and he was not. He was not driver of the day. Uh, uh, moving on to our douche of the day. Brought to you by Summer's Eve. Please check out Summer's Eve exclusive products. And um, our my juice. And my douche of the day. <clears throat> yeah, I picked Danny Ricardo, thinking that his frustrations would lead him into something that was a little too aggressive. That was wrong because the sipper of the douche juice was Kimmy by crashing out an Aston Martin car of Sebastian Vettel with about 30 seconds left of the race to go. <laughs> so good <Yeah>. on him. <laughs> yeah, but they were that. battling for a, a position that meant nothing. And he was <laughs> like, fuck it. Yeah, real solid twelve, like P12 <laughs> that they were going for. He's like, I fucking need this. I need this. <laughs> <laughs> Fastest pit stop minus Red Bull. I had Aston Martin, which was incorrect. And I went with Alpine. Mercedes incorrect. actually coming yeah. and making their appearance as the fastest pit stop outside of Red Bull. And my wild card prediction when Saturday rolled around and these two Ferraris were in P, I believe P11 and P12. That did not make me feel good about my Ferrari on the podium wildcard prediction. Had a great race, but did not make the cut, so I was incorrect yet again. Yeah, tough to make up those, those uh, places right there. <laughs> and I went with Sergio will place above Max, and no one placed above Max, so that was wrong as well. Yeah, nice. So Marco gets the one point of this entire weekend to get us a score of Ian 10 and Marco 9. All right, yeah, it's just a battle. I like it. I mean, if F1 should take a page out of our book and find this P1 battle that you and I are having, I think we could teach them a couple things. (laughs) I mean, how fun would that season be? (laughs) damn it. All right, well, that'll do it for episode 17 of the Eden Asphalt Podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. Next race is going to be in Silverstone in two weeks, so next week you can expect something fun from us, either a driver spotlight, story, maybe both if y'all are lucky. But, uh, yeah, any last closing thoughts here, Marco? Nope. I really appreciate everyone listening. Feel free to continue to reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter, and we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.